On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the KUTCU game and look ahead to the Baylor game as well. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be recapping that tough TCU game for Kansas and also looking ahead to the Baylor game happening on a big Monday. Apologies for the voice, kind of losing my voice from uh, over the weekend here. Um, today's episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. KU falls to TCU, blown out on their home floor. And this has kind of become almost commonplace to happen like once a year over the past couple of seasons now for KU. Last season, you had the the Kentucky blowout loss in Allen Fieldhouse. Year before that, you had the uh, Texas blowout loss at home, which that was the the worst loss that KU has suffered at home under Bill Self. I think they lost by 25 points to Texas. Uh, this one was kind of close to it, obviously. And uh, yeah, it's just, it just kind of happened one way or another. So uh, if you take tails away from... You know, last season you say, okay, well, this is around the same time they lost by a billion points at home to Kentucky. And a week after they had a big win, blowout win against Baylor. Now that was in Allen Fieldhouse. And that kind of righted the ship for them. And they ended up going on a run and winning the NCAA tournament. So now you have Baylor with a chance to do just that this week. But, um, you know, I I guess it's it's an example of why not to overreact. But uh, clearly the way the KU has played here of late, and I think so far in Big 12 play with even them sitting at 5-2, and two, but knowing that there's probably a couple games that more that they could have lost, it, it feels like they're not playing their best basketball right now. It feels like they're kind of tailing off a little bit, and while maybe some of these other teams are getting better, it feels like you know KU is not getting more from the freshmen at this point in time than we saw at the beginning of the year, and it feels like... Uh, some of the players that KU does have that have the bigger roles are are regressing for different reasons. Like Jalen Wilson is playing even better than ever, but you've lost these last two games. Grady Dick is in kind of a slump. Is he hitting a freshman wall? I don't know. Uh, Dewan Harris, like we sure the, the him hitting his head against Kansas state didn't cause, I don't know, something because he has not looked the same ever since coming back. And with Kevin McCuller, he had a better game against TCU, but uh, overall, you're just, you know, KJ Adams getting in foul trouble the last couple of games. You're just not getting nearly as much as you need to from a lot of these different positions when you don't have that kind of freshman punch and the bench punch uh, of some of these guys that you thought you were going to be deeper than you actually are. So basically what this loss leaves you with, because kind of a disgusting loss, right? You, you come out and both teams are hitting everything for the first four or five minutes of the game, and then you can't stop them at all. You're giving up easy layups. You're giving up wide open threes. And yes, it is a not good shooting team for TCU that had a very good shooting day. You don't expect that to happen, but you know, even if they have like a a season average shooting game from three, they still would have beat you by double digits if you just take away like three threes from what they made in that game. Um, you were given a bunch of open shots. You had nothing going offensively outside of Jalen Wilson. 
it was just a very gross game for KU. And and honestly, when they cut it down to 10 at half, it was like, oh, they have all the momentum. We've seen them come back from bigger deficits at halftime. And, you know, this is going to be the same. They're going to come back. And they never found a spark in the second half, never got the offense going in the second half. And uh, that was kind of the difference. Like in the first half, you couldn't do anything defensively. The second half, you couldn't do anything offensively. You turned it over way too much. TCU got a bunch of easy runouts, dunks, layups. And you just got kind of out physical, out athleted, I guess it, it kind of felt like. Um, so now this leaves you with no margin for error in your home games. If you want to win the Big 12, typically 14 and 4 is going to get it there. That's what it did last year. Now, this year, because of how deep it is, maybe you can convince yourself it's 13 and 5. But with Kansas State sitting at 6 and 1 right now, you know, that means they're going to have to go 7 and 4 down the stretch, which I guess that's not entirely impossible that that ends up happening to them but um realistically that means you have to go in a given year nine and oh at home five and four on the road or eight and one at home five and four on the road that gets you to 13 and five well either way you only had one loss to give and KU just gave it at home it kind of feels like you almost deserved a home loss like you were playing with fire a bit with the Oklahoma State game with the Oklahoma game and even to a lesser extent, maybe the Iowa state game like that one, you kind of just expect to be close because they're a good team, but you've been really close to losing all four of your home games. Now you're three and one. And now you look ahead and you're like, you have to win your next five games at home in outfield house. If you want to win the big 12, win your next five at home. That feels kind of like a tall task with how they've looked at home so far this season and, and having to barely win these games. They are 0-4 against the spread in Allen Fieldhouse. Doesn't seem like a number you typically see. So we'll see We'll see how that goes from here, but uh, that was certainly kind of an eye-opener. And again, it doesn't eliminate this team from being good or what they can do because we saw it last year right, with that Kentucky game. And, and you have a chance on Monday night against Baylor to kind of bounce back in, in a lot of different ways. But it certainly was eye-opening that, you know, if you thought this was one of the elite teams, one of the top five or six teams in the country, eh, after that week last week, like, you look at Ken Palm now, I think they're ranked ninth. They're 19th on and 21st on offense and defense this season. Like, just about a week ago, they were, like, top 12 in both. So uh, not a good run of play here for Kansas. Could it just be a bad week? Yeah, absolutely. Could it be a sign of more to come? And maybe that's kind of the um, – result of when you haven't been playing as well as maybe you thought but you've been eking out wins anyway maybe this is where the losses start to come in and uh it's not just the lack of margin for error that you now have in your home games moving forward it's that this schedule upcoming is brutal at baylor tonight that could very real be a third straight loss which i believe would be the first time that uh ku has lost three straight games since the 2012 2013 season keep in mind that team lost three straight games and Still got a one seed, made it to the Sweet 16, and probably should have gone further than that if not for uh, some NCAA tournament happenings. So, um, you know, you, you take everything with a grain of salt, but this has not been a good run of play and, and a very, very bad game for Kansas that now sets them up in a difficult position. But it's certainly we've seen KU been set up in difficult positions before and go and win tough Big 12 road games that they're not supposed to do, and that's the sign of them winning the conference. So, you know. If you can do it and you can win at Baylor or at Iowa State, one of the the next couple Big 12 road games you have, I mean, obviously there's the Kentucky game in between on the road and the K-State game at home, but like that's what's going to kind of separate it. Can you beat K-State at home? Can you win one of these next two without Baylor at Iowa State?
Kentucky game doesn't really apply for the Big 12. Be nice if you win. Helps with the momentum, but not as much for the Big 12. All right, in just a second, we're going to get on to our goats of the game. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people you have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. You want to hit all your goals in 2023? Start off on the right foot. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. If you get that right hire, it's going to help you achieve those goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Goats of the game. This is going to be a kind of short list on the good. Jalen Wilson was awesome. Again, he had 30 points. He went 11 of 21 from the field. That's above 50%. And if I hear anyone being like, oh, took too many shots, 21 shots, he shot above 50%. Nobody else could make anything. Seven rebounds, two assists. Um, Throughout the season, there has continued to be this crowd of of people being like, Jalen shoots too much. It's like, we need to get these other guys shots. You know why? Because there are a lot of times where what we saw in last game against TCU happens for elongated stretches for this team where he's the only guy who can score. Like Grady Dick can catch fire and get hot from three. A lot of that is is kind of set up based on actions around him. He's not going to off the dribble, create his own shot. Dewan Harris isn't like a super big offensive player. Kevin McCuller is going through offensive routes. KJ has been a much improved offensive player, but overall you're not going to give him the ball, you know, 20 times on the block and, just let him continually like go at it. Jalen's kind of the one guy who can create his own shot off the dribble. And he has been excellent these last two games. You look at 68 points in the last two games combined. It's it's a shame they've lost both games. Um, because as great as Jalen has been, like floated out there as a national player of the year candidate and a first team all-American, as great as he has been to earn those recognitions, deservedly so. He has not had two better games than those two games, and you lost both. That sucks, and it sucks for him because you're not going to remember those performances as well. It sucks for the team because you didn't take advantage of him playing that well, and it probably sucks for like National Player of the Year candidacy. Um, but he's been playing on absolute tear right now, and feels like, I mean, think about it. If Jalen only has 15 points on an inefficient shooting game against TCU, you're losing by 30 plus seriously um in the k-state game you almost had a chance to win just because of what he did and certainly that k-state loss now feels even worse after he did lose to tcu but uh we'll get into the baylor preview in a second here but like i i guess going in the weekend if you said you're gonna go one and one your next two with tcu and baylor you take it obviously it's a lot harder now because your own one you have to win at baylor which is very difficult and we'll see if they can do it. But if you do win the Baylor game, it kind of does wash your sins away of this loss on Saturday. But nonetheless, Jalen was was fantastic. And uh, 
I just continue to be so impressed with what he does for this team and kind of lifting them up and carrying them at different times when they are kind of lethargic out there. That is the only good goat we have for this game, which makes sense. You lost by 20 plus points at home in Allen Fieldhouse. To the bad goats, everyone besides Jalen and Kevin McCuller. So to be clear with Kevin McCuller, I did not put him in the bad goats. I didn't think he deserved that. I did not put him in the good goats either. He was kind of in limbo. He had 10 points. He went five of six from the field. He had four rebounds. Um, but so I don't know. I, I didn't put him in the good, didn't put him in the bad, but it was improvement from him. Offensively, we saw much better games. So that's, that's positive after he had to sit down with uh, Bill Self, but everyone else, yuck. Um, Dewan Harris had eight assists, but he went over four with three turnovers. KU had 17 as a team. That's their season high. They haven't had any more turnovers than that for Dewan. Usually when he gets three or more turnovers, that's kind of a high number for him. And uh, the, the scoring for Dewan has just completely gone out the window. Uh, we, we saw the early games of Big 12 play, like the Texas Tech game, where he just hit shots for you. And we've seen other moments where he has scored for you. But, you know, it's one thing if, like, Dewan scores two or four points. Um, but, like, when it's when it's gotten to this point where I think he went 0 for 2 a couple games ago against K-State, he was, like, 1 for 6 or 1 for 7, 0 for 4 this game. So, you know, that puts you at the last couple games, like, 1 of – 12, 1 of 15, somewhere in that range between the last three games. You need a little bit more of a scoring punch there from Dewan. And there just hasn't been the same aggressiveness. I, I don't know. He hasn't looked the same since he went down with the injury against Kansas State. You hope he's okay. But that was a tough game for even the KU ball handlers, just giving away the ball and TCU getting a bunch of easy layups and scores because of it. Uh, Grady Dick was a bad goat in this game, unfortunately. I don't know if he's hitting a freshman wall or this is just a bad couple stretch, but. Um, Three for 13 from the floor, followed up the previous game against Kansas State. He goes one of eight from three. You had the Iowa State game, which was the previous um, home game where he hit some shots, but then the game before that was the game he was face guarded uh, against Oklahoma and, and couldn't really get anything going. So three of the last four games, kind of unable to get anything going. That was definitely the case against TCU. Got some open looks, but he wasn't able to hit really any of them. And they need his shooting to get going because he's kind of the one sniper they have from the outside. K.J. Adams, bad goat. Went just one of six from the floor. They went to him a lot early, but he was unable to kind of capitalize. Got in foul trouble, and it was just kind of a tough game for K.J. And now that's kind of a problem where you've had him getting foul trouble back-to-back games. Um, and then the bench gets a bad goat, too. Still like nothing from the bench, even in a game where – you know, you had opportunities with some of the starters struggling or like KJ getting in foul trouble. We saw MJ Rice come in early, but couldn't really capitalize on more playing time. We saw Ernest come in early and come in when KJ got again in foul trouble in the second half. And, you know, there were a few plays where it was like, oh, that was nice. Like he stopped the, the lob play, but overall, not really anything there. Like Joe and Bobby didn't have a, a great game either. Again, you continue to struggle to get those efforts from the bench. And then the last bad goat was the defense just overall. You struggled really all day defensively. Yes, TCU shot above their worth from three, and you don't expect that to happen. But still, how many how many open layups, how many open drives did TCU just have straight to the rim to get an easy bucket or getting easy dunks or a lot of their threes just being wide open in general? Um, defense was not good. That, that might have been KU's worst defensive game. I mean, you give up 80 points to a TCU offense that came in not ranked in the top 70 in Ken Palm. You've had other games where the opposing offenses had good totals or everything, but that was probably the worst. And I, I do think some of it was aided by your turnover issues. You having 17 leading to a lot of runouts for them, which they're very athletic and 
a fantastic team in transition. So that obviously led to the performance, but overall bad defense and bad taking care of the ball for KU. All right, we're going to finish things up on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks with a preview of the big Monday game between Kansas and Baylor with Locked on Jayhawks. So the Baylor Bears are the opponent on Monday, and it's uh, a game in Waco, which I talked about uh, a second ago that, you know, if Kansas wins this game, it almost washes away their sins of losing at home to TCU because you probably realistically said going into the weekend, if you split, go one and one between home at TCU and at Baylor, you're, you know, maybe not ecstatic about it, but you're fine with it. And, and that can be okay to win the Big 12. But now it is tough because this was probably the harder one to win all along. And now you kind of have to win it. Um, Baylor's 14th on Ken Palm. They're 14 and five overall. They lost their first three Big 12 games. He kind of discounted them at 0 and 3, but now they're one of the hottest teams in the Big 12. They've won their last four and they are up to four and three on the season. Uh, they get it done with great offense. The defense has been a bit suspect, but even in their early losses in the Big 12 play, like they lost at Iowa State by 15. That was tough for them, but then they only lost by one at home to TCU. They lost by two in uh, overtime at home against Kansas State. Um, so they have been, I guess, a little bit vulnerable at home, but they've been close games. Uh, but since then, the five-point win at West Virginia, they had a 16-point win at home against Oklahoma State. They had a seven-point win at Texas Tech and a two-point win at Oklahoma. So, uh, like I said, they've kind of gotten rolling here um, to this point. So offensively, they're second in the country on Ken Palm. They play at kind of a, a medium tempo, not like a super fast pace, but they're just very efficient. 37th in the country in effective field goal rate. They are uh, 67th in three-point percentage, but they take a lot of them. So they take a lot of volume, like 31st in the country in the amount of their field goals that come from three, meaning if they get really hot, you could be screwed because they could take 30 of them, and then they go 14 of 30, you know? Um, they're also 57th in two-point rate, and they're 95th in free throw rate or in uh, free throw percentage. So they, they do it with a lot of really good guards. Uh, that's kind of what leads this team uh, offensively. Um, but they also rebound the ball really well in the offensive glass. Ninth in the country in offensive rebound percentage. That's always just been kind of a Scott Drew coach team thing. Like they crash the offensive glass really well. The counter to that is they do leave some openings because they're going to send numbers forward for the offense glass in transition. So we saw the game in Lawrence last year. KU was really able to get defensive rebounds. And if you can do that, you're going to be able to get out in transition. But if you get worked on the offensive glass, like maybe they did in the game in Waco last year, it's going to lead to Baylor. Uh, like, it's, it's just kind of very simple in, in that regard. But they also get to the free throw line a lot. As far as things they don't do as well offensively, uh, they're kind of middle of the pack in turning the ball over. So KU does have an avenue for forcing some turnovers and causing some issues there. They also get their shots blocked a good amount of time. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they have struggled. They're 93rd in the country in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Um, teams shoot well against them from two and three-point range. They get to the free throw line at, at like, Baylor fouls a good amount. Um, Baylor also is not a great defensive rebounding team. Even though they're a good offensive rebounding team, not a good defensive rebounding team. Honestly, a lot of this profile is very similar to some of these other Big 12 teams. They do force a lot of turnovers. It's not as much as like a TCU or a Texas Tech or an Iowa State, but they are pretty good at it. They do get a lot of steals and, and force a lot of those different turnovers. Though in Big 12-only games, that number has certainly been down. And that's contributed to them uh, in Big 12 only games. They're first in the conference in offense. They're 10th in defense. So uh, complete, you know, flip side uh, of what they are on both sides of the ball. And when you look at the lineup, 
Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer are kind of their number one and number two guards, like shorter guards, but they can really fill it up. They can both really shoot. They can shoot off the dribble. They can shoot on pull-ups. They are going to be very difficult to stop. Keontae George is kind of this like combo guard as well that they play at the three. So they're kind of a little bit undersized one through three, but the counter to that is it gives them a lot of quickness and speed and scoring and ability to shoot off the dribble. And those guys can light it up any given night. Then Jalen Bridges is going to be kind of this like small ball four for them, like on the wing, which should be an interesting matchup with the two Jalens. And their center, uh, Flo Thamba, is more of just a big guy, like rim runner, going to get rebounds, going to get dunks. Same with their backup, Josh uh, Ejiana Wuna. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Probably not. Um, but they have very athletic picks. So that'll be very interesting for KJ, giving up size and everything. But we've seen Baylor do the kind of icing ball screen thing that became so popular with Texas Tech a few years ago. And one way we've seen KU counter it with Bill Self is like middle ball screens, getting to the middle of the defense. Uh, the game that sticks out for, I think, a lot of people the most is the game that was in Waco in, uh, gosh, whatever the, the COVID season was that that it got canceled, that the KU won and uh, Udo Kazabuki had like a billion lob dunks out of the middle. So I kind of expect KJ Adams to be able to catch some lob dunks and be able to take advantage of that. And I expect kind of a good game from KJ offensively in that regard. Um, I do think Jalen Wilson should be able to take advantage of Jalen Bridges. Um, he's kind of an up and down offensive player. I think Jalen can take advantage of him defensively, but the matchup for KU is how they can slow down those three guards. I don't know who you put Dewan on, whether it's Flagler, Cryer, or George, probably Flagler, I guess, but maybe you put Dick on Cryer because he's more of like the spot up shooter type. And then, you have Kevin McCuller on like Keontae George, but if KU switching everything, I don't know how much it'll matter. Now this could be actually an okay matchup to switch everything with the amount of ball screens that they run, but that means everybody has to be engaged defensively a lot more than they were in the game against TCU. Um, but all of this is non-negotiable if everybody besides Jalen doesn't do anything offensively. You know, if that's the case again for kind of the past two games, you're not going to win in Waco. So you need somebody else besides Jalen to step up offensively. Realistically, you need two guys. Grady Dick's got to have a good offensive game. KJ or Kevin McCuller's got to have a good offensive game. You need something from the bench. I'm not saying you need 20 points from the bench. Maybe you only need like eight. But you have to have some sort of contribution from the bench in this game if you want to win. You have to avoid those big three guards for Baylor kind of going off. Otherwise, you're going to find your way into three straight losses for the first time since the 2012-2013 season. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back tomorrow to recap whatever happens in the KU Baylor game. Subscribe to the show wherever you podcast or on YouTube. I'm Derek Johnson. You can also find me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Till then, have a good rest of your day.